We have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about here today at Locked On Seminoles. We have to talk Louisville depth chart. We have to talk Louisville's performance against UCF. And we have to talk the weekend of college football that was. Join us. Join us today. And folks, thank you guys so much for being Locked On Seminoles. You first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. As Drake said, thank you for being here. I'm your host today, Dave. Drake, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, my guy. Doing good. Actually, you know, taking from a very chaotic weekend that was in college football and now simply winning a bye week. I think we snapped a uh, a losing streak for the past few seasons and also remaining as the only Florida school to actually have a win against the SEC. But Dave, I'm doing great overall. Yeah, it's we'll we'll get to that later, but wow, what a weekend that was. But we have FSU football to talk. We don't need to talk the whole college football world right now. We have a depth chart to look at for this Louisville game, which because of what's happened to this point in the year is a big game. And it's a game that before this season started, I had pegged as a sure loss, probably be twofold. I underestimated this Florida State team, I think, and I overestimated that Louisville team. It really is the Malik Cunningham show. Uh, but you saw against UCF, and we'll get to that too, what he, that he can kind of elevate above what that Louisville team is. Drake, offense or defense, what jumps out to you? Let's talk this depth chart. I think what jumps off to me is special teams, actually, with Deuce Span actually being over Sam McCall. No, I'm just kidding about that. But overall, <laughs> I think to me, it, what jumps out to me is that we're kind of like seeing now how the offensive line is kind of fully taking shape. And folks, I have the depth chart on my phone, so my apologies for looking down. But you still have left tackles, Robert Scott, which you pointed out that Julian Armel is one step away from actually starting as a true freshman. Yep. Then you have Dylan Gibbons, the surefire Viking warlord at left guard. Maurice Smith cementing the center spot overall, which makes me feel great. Darius Washington is no longer his backup. You have Thomas Schrader there. And then you have the or of Dimitri Emmanuel a.k.a. Big Meech and Darius Washington at the right guard spot, and then Jazz and Turrentine, who actually might be the unsung hero of the LSU game when it comes to the offensive line, basically coming in and spelling bless Harris. So overall, to me, I think we're starting to see the uh, the entire offensive line take full shape, especially against a Louisville team that does have some solid pieces with Yaya Diaby on the defensive line. So to me, the offensive line overall, it looks solid, and actually I'm excited to see how they do against uh, Louisville this weekend. Yeah, we we talked a lot before this season started about the fact that we felt much better about the depth of this offensive line. Really didn't take very long for us to test that. So, whew, hopefully that holds up against Louisville. Um, there were, on the offensive side of the ball, it's good, I'll tell you this, it's really good to see Micah Pittman listed there without an or. It's good at this point to see Ontario Wilson listed there without an or. It's interesting to see Malik McLean and Johnny Wilson still listed as an or. I, I kind of would have thought by this point that Johnny Wilson would have solidified himself at the top of that position and without an or. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, No, not really. I think it's more because that we had the bye week, so we knew that this was primarily meant for the kids to basically heal up and rest up over the weekend. And we remember from the Duquesne game that 
Johnny Wilson's like ankle got rolled up on on that long yeah. 51 yard uh, reception that he had. So for me personally, I think it's more that you can kind of tell where when it comes to injuries, Mike Norvell doesn't kind of change the fact when it comes to basically the depth chart. I mean, I think Amari Gaynor, I think is still listed on the depth chart and yep. I don't expect him to come back until maybe October overall, because I think his foot is still in a boot. So overall to me, I don't put that much second into it, even though I think the surefire number one in that wide receiver spot obviously is Johnny Wilson, yeah. especially because we're going up against a former FSU DB, Jarvis Brownlee, who didn't have the best game against Louisville, quite frankly, aside from the interception, which probably should have been an incomplete pass. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of go routes when it comes to Mr. Wilson and Ontario one. They're actually opposite of Mr. Brownlee. Yeah, this is the first time in a while that I've been just excited to see how Pokey follows up that game. Um, the only other interesting thing on that offensive side of the depth chart to me is that there's no or with Trayshawn Ward or Trey Benson. This is tr- this is Trayshawn Ward's running back room. Dude, um, I mean, he's earned it. He's earned right? it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's his room. You're going to need Trey Benson to have some carries both in this Louisville game and going forward. You're going to get him those carries. He's going to get plenty of carries. But as long as Trayshawn Ward keeps playing like he has been, he's proven that he's a power five quality running back and it's his until he loses it. I completely agree, and I'll, I do kind of want to ask you this before we go over to the defensive side of the ball. As of right now, the pace that Trayshawn Ward is going with running, and, and I know against LSU, our running backs kind of held in check, but I'll look more to the Duquesne game. Yep. Do you think that Trayshawn Ward could have a better season than Jason Corbin ever had here, actually, by the end of this year? That's tough for me because I was a huge Jayshon Corbin fan the way that kid ran. I don't think so, but if he's anywhere near approaching that, then he's had mm-hmm. a hell of a career in college. Um and we are lucky to have him here and starting in our running back room, which yet last year I wouldn't have said despite his performance. Mm-hmm. Let's move it over to the defensive side. Drake, the first thing that jumps out at me is right at the top there. It says a lot about what the coaching staff thinks of Derek McClendon, that Jared Verse has not, not only not listed first in that equation, but is listed second with the or. When, when, if ever, are we going to see Jared Verse rightfully claim that spot as his own and his own? No one else's. I, I think this goes to more that I, I personally believe that, like, when it comes to this position, nothing that matters who is like number one or number two. As I think yeah. you're going to see them a lot together overall, basically speaking, because I mean, no one can deny that Jared Verse kind of announced himself to the national landscape when he went up against LSU. Yeah, but also this could be saying like, hey, Jared. One of the big issues that we've had with you for the past two games is your ability to contain the quarterback. Against Duquesne, we noticed it against LSU with Jane Daniels, who has a very similar skill set to Malik Cunningham. You we saw that you brought you failed with contain numerous times, allowing Jane Daniels to basically keep them in the game with his legs. So to me, this could be like Jared, you are basically an elite pass rusher. But what we really need you to do is be well rounded on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to both aspects of the game. And that's why I think you see Derek McClendon, who is not the same pass rusher as Jared, but he definitely has shown some flashes. I think right now he's a little more of the all-around player when it comes to both. So to me, I think that could be why you see that. And that's also why I see Dennis Briggs on the other side, too, because I think Dennis Briggs, quite frankly, is still probably your most effective and most important defensive end. Yeah, that's for sure. And the Jared Verse situation, I think it was Jermaine Johnson that said at Georgia, you as a defensive end had to learn to play the run first. You wouldn't get your chance to rush the passer until you learn to play the run. So clearly Jared verse already has all the tools to rush the passer and do so very well. Um, 
it's going to come together. It's just, it's just taking some acclimation. I'm not worried about that at all. The rest of the deep defensive depth chart doesn't scare. It doesn't, I don't really have any questions. I think it's the same. It. I think it's the same overall. It is. And we'll get to this another day this week, but just that defensive line is what makes me feel good about this Louisville game. Like they're going to need to, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to, cause that's what they're good at. And good luck doing it against this defensive line. So I don't have any other concerns with this defense going into the Louisville game. Sounds like you don't either. Uh, no, I just think the only thing is that I think, do you, because we see that Amarion Cooper is still the number one cornerback and we've kind of seen that. I think he's coming back from an injury. He didn't play particularly well um, against LSU, even though, I mean, the defense was kind of called to basically give them a lot more cushion. So that could have been just the design by playing. Do you have any concern actually about him moving forward at the cornerback spot? I mean, also Kevin Knowles, actually Kevin Knowles too, but you can put him in the conversation for that at at the nickel slot performance wise. They haven't been like, we had a Marlon Cooper as like this surefire dog cornerback one. We had Kevin Knowles as a surefire solid nickel corner. Do you have any concerns after the play for the first two games? Well, two games for Kevin and then one game for a Marion. Would you have any concerns, I guess, with them moving forward being your number one options and basically the DB room now looking a little thinner than you want to be? Yes and no. Um, Last year, we saw, I think, a lot out of both of them. We we had a pretty large sample size. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that both of them mysteriously got worse this year. I think just giving it some time, this defense as a unit is already, I believe, playing close to its potential. I think there's still room to grow, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not overly concerned. I think they'll both get it together, and as far as I'm concerned, we have the depth to wait. But speaking of depth, Drake, if you want some more depth, in your wallet what should you use well folks you should use the the app over at upside which folks upside is something basically you know it's an easy app to use it's too good to be true and quite honestly i've used it and also dave can tell you because he's been using this even before we came on locked on seminoles yeah it's super easy you download the app you pick when you're at a gas station it brings it up it shows you the discount you're going to get via cash back it is super easy to get your money out it's not like some foreign website it, you just they'll paypal it to you they'll venmo it to you it's super easy super easy app to use love it we love it and also with all the extra cash back you can use you can buy yourself you know that new car not that new car but that new little watch you wanted purse for your lady or if you're like myself and you're a nerd the new graphics card that you really really desperately need because yours is actually crashing and burning and finally the chip shortage is facing itself but folks head on over to the upside app today Use promo code locked on. Sorry, promo code locked. That's L O C K E D to get five dollars or more cash back on your purchase of ten dollars or more. That's five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more using promo code locked L O C K E D. All right, we are keeping it rolling here. And Drake, we are not done talking about Louisville because we learned an awful lot about that team over this past weekend. After their first game, I think a lot of people did a thought they had wildly miscalculated what this Louisville team is capable of. You saw a lot of, yep. You saw a lot of people questioning whether Malik Cunningham was what a lot, I guess he had deserved for people to think he was. Um, And it's funny because if you look at the box score in that Louisville game, I mean, if just, or the UCF game, you just look at the passing stats and you think to yourself, eh, that's not the Malik Cunningham. I remember, he did have a 6.9 yards per average attempt, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And Which that's is nice. He had nice. He he had under 50% completions on 29 attempts. That's not great. Um, and it's against a UCF defense that I mean, 
it's it's not going to be top of the country. So no, I think uh, Max said over in some of those I get to breathe. I think they were a the 88th best pass defense overall. Yeah, that, like I said, not going to lead the country in pass defense. And nevertheless, Louisville does not seem to have the tools around Malik Cunningham this year to maximize Malik Cunningham. That's a great feeling. They did beat UCF. A lot of people thought UCF were going to beat them and that Louisville was just going to implode. You did too. Um, that didn't happen. Malik Cunningham overcame a lot of the deficiencies of that Louisville team. And the more interesting and important thing, he ran for 121 yards on 17 carries. And that's a story that I think a lot of Florida State fans don't want to hear because we just have memories ingrained in our heads from the last like half decade of quarterbacks starting their Heisman campaign against us by running for a thousand yards, just like Garrett Trader did last year for Syracuse. Drake, you concerned? No. Um, and one, Garrett, the, the folks, for those of you that are new here, the Heisman campaign joke is basically, for some reason, every single QB has a great day against us if they're especially a mobile quarterback. You look at Lamar Jackson starting the trend back in 20, I want to say 2016 it was? 2017? I don't want to. And it was after it. we beat LSU, or sorry, LSU, Ole Miss, another SEC team at a neutral site game. But I'm not worried primarily because if you watch the entirety of the game, and my brother was there also, I was texting with him, I think he now understands where I guess mine and your gripe is with Mike Norvell because Mike Norvell's base foundation when it comes to coaching play calls, a lot of people say Todd Graham. A lot of it also comes from Gus Malzana because they were on the same staff over, I want to say it was Toledo or it was one of the Mac teams overall. Like folks put in the comments below if you remember which team exactly it was. But to me, you see the decisions are poor. You see that John Rice Plumley, who was a QB that doesn't know how to throw the ball. He was nine of nine with passes before at the line of scrimmage. He was also seven of I think 20 something actually when it was past the line of scrimmage, which is which is abysmally bad with a QBR of 33. So to me, this is more of a game that UCF could have went up by 17 before the half. Yeah. Instead, they lose by six. And then with Malik Cunningham, yes, he averaged seven yards a carry for 121 yards total, which is really good with a long of 43. They have no weapons though around him because he is the only person on that offense overall. And then also you have Mar Marshawn Ford, the walk-on tight end, who actually saw a piece, but he also only had three catches for 38 yards. To me, this Louisville offense lives and dies with Malik Cunningham, who is a very strong player. But if you have to make him do every single little thing, as long as we don't beat ourselves, I'm not scared of this team. But I will say I'm more concerned about how this team, FSU, I mean, I'm talking about, is going to be able to react after a hard-fought win against LSU mm -hmm. because we've seen in the past two years when they have hype, when they read the, read the news clippings, they fail to meet the expectations the following week. Thank God yeah. we had the bye week, but we'll see it coming up. But we'll have a deeper preview with Dalton Pence probably tomorrow or the day after. But to me, for right now, I'm not worried, but we need to be, I guess, what's the word, constructive with uh, how we look at this team? Yeah, I just... The fact that John Reese Plumley had such a poor passing day against Louisville says nothing to me about Louisville's pass defense. Um, John Reese Plumley is a substantially worse passer than Jordan Travis. And I don't know that I've said, a, I don't think you and I have been the most complimentary of Jordan Travis going, coming oh, into no, we this haven't. year. We but haven't. It, but <laughs> right now, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, Jordan Travis is a markedly better passer than John Reese Plumley. He's also a better runner and John Reese Plumley himself almost put up hundred rushing yards against Louisville. I think Jordan Travis is going to have his pick of the litter based on what I saw against that against UCF. Um, as long as we can keep Malik Cunningham from running for 
300 yards, make him throw the ball. I think we're going to be fine. That's what I learned from that game. I mean, I could, I think I can agree with that. The only concern I think I have is that with UCF, you do, they did have kind of have like a sort of pseudo view of what Norvell's going to do probably for the week after. So it's kind of like they've had two weeks of game prep, which I think could probably could be something you kind of look at, even though I agree that John didn't rise plumly to the occasion. See what I did there? I know mm-hmm. I've been, I'm trying to do the puns now. It doesn't work out. But overall, like to me, like they've had the extra, I guess, week to prepare, but also FSU is able to look at what UCF did and to see kind of how to contain. Cause when Malik was passing, it wasn't typically it wasn't the solid thing that we saw from last year, right? Yep. You know, they did lose Tyler Harrell to the to the transfer portal to Alabama, who was their number one wide receiver. And they did bring in D. Wiggins, but D. Wiggins at Miami, the only thing he's famous for is the uh the the touchdown pass where Stanford Tamils had his hands up. That's the only re- that's the only thing that D. Wiggins has for his claim of fame right now. So to me, I think this is gonna be a fun game. It's gonna be a game where I felt like before season started that we should win because I didn't have that much faith in Louisville overall. To me, this game might be close primarily because it's just going to be tough to play them actually over in bourbon country. Yeah, just high-level thoughts after seeing that UCF game. Knee-jerk reaction. This is this has gone from a preseason, that's a loss, to now I'm confident we win this game. We'll get to that more later in the week. I'm not saying I'm confident we'll win by a ton. I am now confident we'll win that game. Not, not just based off of what I saw against UCF because that was actually a better game for Louisville seeing as how they won but nothing scary to me and if Malik Cunningham is if all he can do this year because he has no tutu outwell around him basically uh, is run the ball I think this defense is geared up to prevent that from happening all right thank you for making it to the third and final segment with us Drake this was a magical weekend we we got to talk about college football man I I don't know what the craziest thing was that happened this week. I mean, arguably the least crazy was Florida losing to Kentucky for the second time in a row for the first time in the last 50 something years, right? 1976. Yeah. That's the least crazy thing that happened this weekend. (sighs) Notre Dame. What's going on at Notre Dame, Drake? I mean, we know so over on Locked and ACC, we call Notre Dame sort of the cousin that, you know, no one really likes or basically the person that gives you the you up text because they treat, you know, we basically, we allow them for to be in the ACC for every other sport, but football, they have want nothing to do with us. But then when you see Coach Huff and former FSU star, Kalen LeBourne rushed for over 150 plus yards and they beat Notre Dame, it kind of lets you feel that like, Dave, the way college football is shaking out right now and we also have Texas A&M where Jimbo hasn't evolved his offense since what the 20 since 2014 yep. that the parody or the craziness like I think of, C- of the CFB world right now is on a level where it feels like anyone has a shot right now and you yep. see with the AP poll where FSU had 42 votes which to me I don't think we should be ranked yet I think with a win against Louisville we should probably enter the top 25 probably 24 or 23 but it feels like overall, when you look at the games over the weekend, that it's not anyone's year, but it's like it's anyone's year to have a really, really good year. Yeah, and that's kind of a comforting feeling because, I mean, I think people expected some kind of regression out of Notre Dame, like, you know, changing regime over to Marcus Freeman, who I do think will do a fine job there, if for no reason other than it's Notre Dame. Um, but them going down in that fashion it doesn't make me feel better about jacksonville state because that still should have never have happened however like you said 
who's to say this isn't a crazy year? Um, we beat Louisville and we're three and zero. I mean, crazier things have happened. It just makes you feel like maybe we don't need to be the luckiest team ever. Maybe we don't need Jameis Winston necessarily to be able to make some noise. I think it's more that we, I think you had a bet the best, you said it really well last segment where you feel confident entering into this game. Yeah. It's not where you say, you're, I'm guaranteeing a win or you're being pessimistic. It's more like, I feel comfortable enough with the state of this team and how the college football like landscape right now is shaping out to be that we should be competitive and that I also have more lean towards more favorable result for us to win the game overall. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Miami struggle against Southern Miss. They go over to Texas A&M. Florida, after you know upsetting, up, uh, upsetting Utah, after having must repair, looks terrible and awful against Kentucky. So it looks to me that like overall, this weird, this uh, this this season is not is not only wacky, but it feels more that it's ripe for the taking for us, especially in ACC, where you see you saw that pit lost. Syracuse is a darling right now. I know you're not the biggest believers in them, but I think that defense is really good, supplemented with Sean Tucker, Garrett Schrader. You see Boston College is just crashing, 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 and burning. They probably are the worst team in ACC yeah. aside from Georgia Tech. So if you look at the landscape as a whole and then do a micro look at the ACC, it feels like FSU can – I'm not going to say we're going to win the conference, but I think we definitely have the talent and the skill set and the athletes to make some damn noise this year. Yeah, and it's weird because – we're put in a scenario now where like we have to root for Jimbo Fisher to keep recruiting like he is at Texas A&M because there is no better scenario than Jimbo Fisher stealing all the top recruits and finishing with the best seven and five team in all of football and keeping them away from Florida and Miami and Alabama. Not that they would go to Miami or Florida anyways, because if they're top recruits, why would they? But you know what I mean? It was just a magical weekend seeing Seeing that happen to Jimbo Fisher, I think made a lot of fans happier than it made me. Like I'm, I'm happy he gave us a national championship, so I don't have all the ill will towards him. But it, it, this is what we love about college football: is that Appalachian State every 15 years just goes and upsets a team that just came off literally the greatest recruiting class in the history of college football. You, you can't make stuff like that up. It's just it's just joyous. It's a good time to be a college football fan. It's a good time to be a Florida State fan. We're 2-0, and and it just it feels hopeful right now, right? This is the first time I think I've actually enjoyed college football as a whole outside of like basically because yeah. I can actually now look at my team right now. If you had asked me before the year started like who I thought would get fired first, Scott Frost or Mike Norvell, I would, I would have been like it would have been close because I don't think I actually believe that Nebraska would have been that bad. But I underestimated how bad Scott Frost is at, is at his job. Now he's definitely going to be going over to probably the Nick Saban Reformatory School for former head coaches who want to coach good mm-hmm. and do other stuff good too. And then you'll probably see him probably surface as an, as an offensive coordinator there because Bill O'Brien, Alabama, which is another team where Texas have probably would have won that game if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt. So to me, it's nice and actually to actually be able to say our team is competitive in this landscape. And also that now like we... I think you and I primarily were not super down, but we were getting to the point critically wise where it's like, there's just so little right now to be positive about. But then now after two games, you see the Duquesne game, which it's Duquesne. I get it. But two years ago, we struggled against Jacksonville state the year before struggled against Stanford. And then last year, we all know what happened in Jacksonville state with the Hail Mary. And then you go down this year, you're finally seeing what we wanted to see. And that's the proof of concept actually working out. And, now, to me, 
All I need to see now is that we need to see the wins keep piling up, and then also we see hopefully more of the recruits come in. Hakeem Williams announces very soon. So is Blake Nicholson as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some QBs probably in the big three area, probably decommit, maybe make their way over to Tallahassee instead of you know Coral Gables. So to me overall, I think right now it's a great time to be a Florida State fan. Yeah, the chaos around the nation, and especially after that game in Gainesville, only serves to benefit Florida State. This, like you said, we were approaching apathy. Um, I don't want to overstate anything because it's only two games, but we've seen a lot of the stuff we've needed to see. Um, Again, for those that don't know our origins, we started out as a support group for Florida State fans suffering from their Florida State fandom. Um, There's a more eloquent way of saying that, but... There, there's no suffering that needs to be done, notwithstanding what you see on Twitter from like Dark Side Knowles still finding something to complain about. We are exactly where we needed to be and wanted to be and hoped we'd be after two games going into a Louisville game that after what we just saw against UCF feels very winnable. And what we saw in the college football world, there could be chaos ahead. And who's to say we shouldn't be the benefactor? Who is to say to quote the great poet Jordan Sanders? And also think about it this way too, folks. College football is the only sport where your entire season is ruined before Labor Day. <laughs> it doesn't happen in baseball because it's 162 games. There are 17 weeks in an NFL season, 82 games in college, I mean, sorry, in basketball, 81 games in hockey. Basically, two, if you lose two games right out the gate, that's when you know your season is over and you already have to look forward to next year when it comes to comp- being competitive in your own conference. But to me, I'm happy that we're here, and it's not. I don't think it's overstating it, Dave. I just think it's for the once and for once since we started the podcast, because it's the first time we've been on the feed on, as a podcast together. Yep. That we actually are finally enjoying it, and quite frankly, I think there's more to come with this team, and that's going to start with kicking the ass of Louisville Cardinals on Friday. And there is more to come from us this week talking about LSU. Thank you, everybody. Louisville, 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 Louisville. Louisville. Thank you, everybody, as I was saying, for making Locked on Seminoles your first listen each and every day. Drake, tell everybody where to find the podcast and everything about YouTube. Folks, you can follow the podcast over at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And don't forget, five-star reviews when you get on there. And then for YouTube, please like this video, subscribe, hit the subscribe button at the tippy-tippy-top, and ding the little bell so you know when new content drops. And share with your friends, share on Twitter. And follow myself at Tally underscore underscore Drake. And follow Dave at FSU Knowles, where the O is a zero and the S is a five because my friend is a boomer. And we're going to be having Dalton Pence from Locked on Louisville on later in the week to have a deeper dive into the Louisville Cardinals. And basically, that's what the hell is going on with Scott Saffield in year three, in year four, because quite frankly, uh, we're the haters of Scott Saffield. I want to know why he's still the coach there. And and leave us some comments below if there's anything you want us to ask about this Louisville team, about what to expect in this game. Just leave it in a comment, and we'll try to get to it. And for Drake, this is Dave, and this is Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Go Knowles.